1: Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about the dreaded phone, how to become more effective using this amazing tool, how to stop kidding yourself that it doesn't work, Uh, and and tactics for supporting your calling efforts. To help us with that, we have Dale Dupree, a.k.a. the Copier Warrior and General Manager of Xeno Office Solutions. Dale, thank you for taking time to be on the show today.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Chad. I appreciate
1: it. So normally we have this question that I asked at the beginning about some defining moment in career and stuff, but I got I got to skip that this time, man, because I've been following you. We've been talking on LinkedIn and through social platforms, and I caught wind that you were in a band and toured and had a record out. Like I need to, I need the backstory there, brother. I need to I need to understand that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's a fun one, right? Because it all started
0: with you know being a creative person and, and, and really just like having the heart of a child into my teens and even into being 32 years old. Right. I mean, I'm, I i have not really deviated from being a child (laughs) at this point (laughs) in life, but, but as, as a teenager, I, I dreamed of being in a band. Right. And so in middle school, actually with, with one of my best friends, um, I, I started playing music and, I mean, we, we were terrible. Uh, I mean, probably the worst thing that you've ever heard. I mean, my, my poor parents, and then even my aunt Becky, who allowed me to use her garage from time to time when my mom would just have had it up to her neck (laughs) with me at that point. I mean, my, my family was always accommodating and, and very, you know, passionate about what it is that, i wanted to do for a living right so they they helped to a degree right but i'm sure they were punished to, to some extent and and so if they're listening i apologize to them <laughs> for all those times but yeah it started to develop into something where we became good at, at what we were doing and and we looked at a marketplace that we were walking into as musicians and and kind of came up with strategies to disrupt it um we, we want even from going to shows and watching how bands performed and discussing after the show, like what what would we do differently? Right. And, uh, you know, how could we get people more engaged? And, and about the time that I was 17 and most of the guys in the band were 17, there was a couple um, gentlemen that were a little bit older. But we got signed to Pluto Records, which was an indie label um, owned by Brian Coble. He's, he's a great friend um, to me. Even to this day, we stay in touch. Um, but, but he got, he gave me my wings and, and I hit the road. So right out of high school, no college, just right into a a 15 passenger van with a trailer and a bunch (laughs) of musical equipment, dude. And we, we did it, you know, I mean, I'll never forget the, the first, you know, couple of tours we did, but the reward after where, you know, we walked into a Best Buy or a Virgin Records back when those were like popular places to buy CDs and, and we'd pull our album up in the, in the eye section in the, in the metal genre, you know, and we would take pictures of it and just think we'd made it, man. But the, the unfortunate reality of, of being a, a musician, especially in a touring band is that it's just not that easy. And realistically, uh, I had to come back to something and, 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 and at home there was a lot of good things. I, my dad owned a copier company that he, he built in 1984, um, you know, with a few bucks in his pocket and a, a non compete weighing on his shoulder, he, he headed out of his territory, you know, to honor that non compete and and took a chance, right? A big risk. My dad was a huge entrepreneur and so I just had it in my blood to to, to come back and do sales to some degree and, and I had a great, you know, girl at home that I had just been married to and, and I wanted to start a family and, and so for me, like even though you know, my my dream, as people would say, like from the perspective of The music side that it didn't come to fruition like realistically my my all my dreams have have absolutely been met at this point i never knew that I would be where I am
1: today Uh, Yeah, that's awesome. What was the name of the band? So the band was called imperial
0: Um It's easy to find because you just you type in my name dale dupree and then
1: type in the word imperial and you'll (laughs) find us It's just that simple. (laughs) Okay. I'm right as soon as we get done recording, you know, i'm gonna do that Okay, (laughs) awesome. Awesome. So all right. So came back Started doing uh, coffee sales. You, anybody that's paying attention on LinkedIn knows that you're you're dominating that space, and we we both share I think a similar view of cold calling and that, that strategic interruption of people, right, and making sure that we're adding value. Um, it, cold calls, if is you know, it's the easiest way. To make that human connection, and that 's really what it 's all about. social may take a little bit of more time, emails, right. whatever, but that phone makes that connection, and so i 'm curious you you get somebody on the phone, and what do you, how do you make the most how do you recommend people make the most out of those first fifteen seconds?
0: Yeah, I got a big opinion on on the phone and and cold calls in general, right because it, like you said, like cold calling is is kind of that gateway into an emotional connection with somebody because you're you're getting down to brass tacks you're looking someone straight in the eye and and you can either have an agenda and and fail or, or you can walk in willing to learn and build a relationship and and try to serve somebody and and I t- i'm telling you even if you don't get the business you, you have won and and you will reap the rewards of your attitude and your actions and it all starts on the phone in most cases right because we we look up a company. Right. Or we've got a CRM that has all this data in it when we get to our new job or, you know, one that we've been in for five years and they've assigned us a new territory, you know, whatever the case (laughs) may be. Right. But regardless, you know, what we have in front of us at the office when we're sitting down, you know, whether it's for a couple hours or for half the day is a phone and and phone numbers and and a lot of information at our fingertips because of LinkedIn and, you know, Facebook for business. Uh, I mean, all the way to Instagram. can, Can you find business People, but also the personalities of the buyers that you're searching for. Right. So you can dive deep into who they are. And so that those first 15 seconds on the phone with a decision maker, uh, they're the most crucial. And and if, if you and I are being honest you know, the last thing that we ever want to receive is a sales call, but we love them. I mean, you and I love them. You got to admit it because we're judging someone on the other line the whole time. Like, yeah, give me your pitch, man. I want <laughs> Oh yeah. But, but the human nature part of it is, is to kind of roll your eyes and say, Oh my God, another sales call. This is not what I was looking forward to. Yeah. What do you want, Dale? What can I do for you? So understanding that that emotion is being felt from the recipient at all times, even if they're in a good mood. I mean, there's going to be some hesitation on their part to talk to you no matter what, even if they give you information. I mean, in, in two weeks, they could disappear on you completely. So, those first fifteen seconds are the human connection. And, you know, so so giving having a script available is great, but really just being yourself, <laughs> getting someone on the phone and, and saying, Hey, my name's Dale, and, and yeah, I'm I'm one of the ten thousand copier guys that calls you regularly. But <laughs> I, I just wanna tell you, you know, before we get started here on on this conversation, that you're probably gonna wanna hang up on me during is that I'm I'm different and, and allow me to prove that to you, you know, over thirty seconds while I give you my quote unquote pitch. And, and, and honestly, sir or ma'am, you know, all I'm really looking for is some feedback, you know, what do you think of, of my approach? And, and what do you think of the things that I'm trying to accomplish with businesses similar to yours when it comes to their workflow processes? But, you know, a lot of people just feel that they have to be scripted, right? They have to talk business. And if they're not talking business, then, you know, they're not doing their work. But 99% of our life is is behind a desk, man. I mean, it, realistically, if we think about it, we work so that we can live. And and I'm I'm of the idea that I, I want to mesh those two. I don't want to look at work that way. I want to live to work, you know. So th- you know, that's why it's important to really take it seriously when you get someone on the phone for those first 15 seconds. You're going to pitch your product and get hung up on, or are you going to tell somebody why you're different, be a pattern interrupt in their day, and gain their trust faster than you ever you know thought possible, <laughs> faster than you've gained – your girlfriend or your wife's trust, you know, when you first met her. So,
1: well, and there's, I mean, there's a lot in that, right? Because the, the, the scripts. I, I, I think scripts can be effective if somebody's just not confident, right? Because that. When you 're talking about an audio connect, right you 're just talking about having somebody on the phone, you need to project that confidence, authenticity, and there is i mean and, and I guess I should you know be thankful for it because it's part of what our business is, but there's this massive fear about getting rejected on the phone, and because of that, you see people stutter, stammer, not know what they want to say, not know how to they forget how to be human, how to be authentic and I think right. that that point of using a pattern interrupt just being honest. Like, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. I would love you to help me with some feedback. I think that's a genuine and effective way to do it. The trick is that so many people just won't pick up the phone. It's like they can't <laughs> get over the fear. Like I get right. all the excuses in the world why they're not picking up the phone. And it just it's it gets to the point where you just kind of shake your head and say, okay, well, I'm going to beat you next quarter because I'm not afraid to pick up the phone or your co is going to beat you, right?
0: Right, right. I, I will say, though, that... <clears throat> after after I started to get the hang because I just forced myself to do it, and I think that the, the approach for a, a salesperson that wants to be bigger and better than everyone else is that he has to or she has to persevere through the things that they don't like the most and continue to do them on a daily basis as a practice routine to get them into the habit of doing it. I mean, to be quite frank with you. I do not prefer the phone over walking in and meeting someone. I'm much better in person and I I don't deny that, but I will beat you on the phone any day. And (laughs) and if your attitude isn't that of perseverance and, and that of competition, you know, even friendly competition is you're never going to really get the hang of it. Okay. And, And, and honestly, even in having that attitude, you don't get the hang of it, but You force yourself into something that just becomes ritualistic and habitual. But I will say once I started getting that talk track down to the extent that I could where I knew how to use the proper tonality with the front desk lady, I knew how to use the proper tonality when I got the person on the phone that I needed to talk to. And they could have been one out of 100 different personalities, right? But as soon as they they picked up that phone and I heard what they had to say to me, I know exactly how (laughs) I was going to talk to them. It it becomes addicting, right? And so – the idea and the attitude of people just not really enjoying being on the phone, guys, you can all overcome that, and it 's easy, and the best part is is that it becomes
1: fun it, it really does yeah you, it start it does it really becomes i mean the addiction part of it in a good way, not for those that are listening, not in a negative way, but if I go three days, two days without having hit my call blocks, I mean I literally I can feel the anxiety start to build because I feel like i 'm not in control of my pipeline, right? I'm not, I've now introduced a gap and that gap is going to create ripples down the, down the way that I don't want. I mean, and the phone is, it's a, it's a critical component of, of any salesperson's, uh, existence, but you also mentioned that you're better in person. And so you've, as we were prepping, you mentioned in-person knocks. And so tell me, tell me how you approach those and how you find those to be the most effective.
0: So I, I like, I really am addicted to the in-person cold call. I, 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 can, I can see in someone's eyes whether or not they want to talk to me. I can understand better when I'm making that human connection what my strategy needs to be with this particular account, with this particular person. It, it's just different. I mean, I think everybody can admit to that. And to be quite frank, there's not enough people going out and doing in-person knocks. And Now, now there, there are people doing them, right? Don't get me wrong. But you know, I talked to some people over the last three months. Just candidly about, you know, so how does cold calling from a a door to door knock approach, you know, fit into your culture? And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, we we do that. You know, we do it all the time. And so I'd ask, like, well, how many does a rep do a day? And they'd say, well, probably like 10 a week. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, the idea to me, though, that that. People are just doing such little work inside of their community in order to gain business and to be successful. I mean, they're not earning it. And so they're not going to get to that point is the bottom line, really. And adapting to a different mindset and also just really changing the habits of a salesperson that is out of touch with cold knocks, you know, door to door uh, is important because there's going to be guys like me out there and this generation of millennials doing it that that is going to set us apart from everybody else. And so you can have someone banging out the phones, calling 100 people a day as a telemarketer, and you you could have 20 people doing that. But when the guy who goes to meet them, and do that initial appointment shows up, he's on a whole nother level. He, and it's not a good one, because <laughs> he hasn't done the work to get in there in the first place, right. And, you know, so to me, that the sales world is kind of backwards in that respect, where we don't tell somebody, you know, here's a steak, it's raw, you have no fire, no charcoal, nothing. Now figure out a way to cook this thing. You know, we, Instead, we, we serve it on a platter. We ask them if they want bread and butter with it. I mean, we're just too accommodating in some cases to salespeople. We've got we've to make them work for it. And the knock approach is great for me for my call approach because I do a lot of knocking before I do my calls. And it, it warms my call up in most cases. So it, it's, it's a strategy that I've, I've had for years and I stand by it.
1: Well, I mean, and it's a great, you know, it's a great example of that concept of of familiarity being truth, right? So everybody's got all these channels at their disposal, whether it be, you know, in person, whether it be interacting or engaging on social, whether it be even leaving a voicemail just designed to provide value, not really asking for anything, you start to warm that person up so that when you do get that connection, it's easier to convert. And I see so many people try just one thing. Like, oh, well, I'm going to spend this month on, on LinkedIn and Twitter, and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good luck, because that's, you know, that's one of all of these channels that you have at your disposal. And I mean, sales is getting – I don't want to say it's getting more difficult – Let's say it's getting a little bit more complex. There's easier distractions, right? You can get lost in a whole bunch of stuff. But I mean, to do something like that, to like make the in-person knocks, then do the calls, then there's also the marketing aspect of it. A lot of people talk about salespeople having to be kind of, you know, semi-marketing professionals these days as well. And so I I've seen some of the things you put up on LinkedIn and I know some of the uh, things that you've used, but I'd love for the audience to hear when you, when you think about that marketing aspect of it, what's been the most effective for you?
0: Yeah. I, the marketing side, you know, a lot of people don't know that part of my life, especially on LinkedIn. I mean, they see my stories and, but if you're not one of my customers or you haven't worked with me at some point, um, or some of my competition is privy to it because my, you know, it'll be their customer before it was mine. (laughs) But, you know, you you really don't know what I'm capable of in that case. You know, I I still remember back in in 2013, I I came out with a campaign where I was literally just doing a photo shoot on a green screen so I could put myself in all these ridiculous situations with a copier. One of my favorite (laughs) that came out of it was I had a sword and it was being pulled like Excalibur out of a copy machine that was plated in gold. And, and at the very, in the middle of the woods, mind you, and at the very top right of the, the imagery, it said every day he wakes up believing this is his job. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just was so obnoxious and, and so off the wall that, that people loved it. And I, I actually made it into an eight and a half by 11 size document. And on the backside, I put a resume. Um, one that Carrie Twig would probably be super uh, impressed with if she's <laughs> listening, but it, it was it was detailed with my story, my testimony. You know, sure, it had some some examples of where I had worked and what I had done, but but like we just discussed, I mean, I only worked for two companies up until you know making the switch to Zeno, my dad's company, and I played in a band, right? So <laughs> so people would see those things and they would say, "Wow, this guy." he's got a pretty interesting story. They'd ask, you know, well, what's the family business? And I'd get more detailed into it. Or they'd say, oh, you were a rock star. And I'd, I'd get more detailed into it. They, that one always disappointed people. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they wanted to hear the glit and glamour. And yeah, we had some times that were fun. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of really, you know, disgusting stories of <laughs> <laughs> sleeping on floors and smelling terrible because you haven't showered in four days. But but besides that, you know, the, the idea, though, of of be, humanizing yourself inside of your marketing, I think, is important, right? Because it's your own personal brand. If people see your marketing, but then they meet you and you're not that person, that's very dangerous. And it's not helpful for what you're trying to accomplish inside of your own market and inside of your community. Because really what you're turning people on is that you're more than a salesperson, right? So, so they want to look at you from the perspective of, well, what, what can this person do for my business, how how much of a a professional are they really? And so inside of all the zaniness, I had some great bullet points about my accomplishments in business. So, so people would look at it and have fun with it. But at the same time, they would, they would ask me questions about the bullet points that I put in about, you know, work. And they'd ask me questions about my family because of that. Right. And my dad running a business and how that relates to my success. Right. And, And why, I have such a vast knowledge of my industry because I, I mean, technically I've been doing it since I was in diapers. You know, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen my dad coming in with the coin operated, you know, copier machine since, since I was a baby. And that, and then in high school, watched him, you know, implement and develop workflow strategies through paperless environments. When, when people were still screaming, you know, now nah, we you know, I got to print everything. Right. So, <laughs> so I was on the cutting edge all my life. And because of that, I, it made my marketing easy to incorporate kind of the bo- bo- both of those aspects of, of being a little wacky and zany, but also being able to be serious. I, I think it's important to, to be serious inside of your business life, right, but, but to show people that you're fun. Matter of fact, a friend of mine had a great uh, you know, kind of tagline for his business where it, his, his call to action was – or his, uh, kind of experienced the difference, I guess you would say, was that he was seriously fun right? If you, if you hired his marketing agency, that's what you got. And, and, and in his pictures, he would put a little red nose on like a clown nose and and he'd bring one to the meetings and he'd throw them at you and tell you to put them on when you guys, when you started the discovery. And I, it was things like that, that I just had people in my life that, I mean, some of them don't even know what they did for me, I'm sure to some degree, but you know, my imagination runs wild with that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'd say one of my favorite marketing pieces that I ever did was, um, And for people that don't know, I have my own TV commercial. I have two of them, actually. So if they want to dig into my LinkedIn or even at copierwarrior.com, they can check them out. uh, So they can just kind of get a taste of what my marketing really looks like. But I, I once made a cardboard cutout of myself um, and, and use that to call on a, on a, a prospect. (laughs) And there was, there was a copier in the, in the cutout, right. And it was about six feet tall. And it was probably one of the craziest things I ever did. Um, I never got the cutout back, unfortunately, (laughs) but, but I'll tell you right now, I got an appointment with that guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is great, i you know the creativity and I like that seriously fun thing, right like you're right, you have to be authentic, you have to be human, but you also have to be credible and and being able to to be creative and walk that line uh, and know where it is you know the difference between capturing attention and then converting to trust those are those are powerful places to be, I think a lot of reps I think a lot of reps struggle with them and then I mean, so you 've got cold calling you've got the marketing aspect of it, you've got the in person then there's this aspect that I see reps struggle with, and i i don't know I struggle with it too it's definitely not my forte, but networking networking groups um, mm. I have and maybe it 's just me, but I have this thing where it's like i don 't really believe you want to hear anything I have to say until we get to some point of common ground. So when I'm at a cocktail party, I'm not a football guy. I don't, I don't, I'm not a football guy. Okay, yeah, I sold business to the Mi- Minnesota Vikings. That's about as close to football as I get. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, Basketball, yeah, I played it, but don't watch it. So all of the things that most people want to start talking about, I just kind of have to sit there and nod, right? <laughs> but there's huge power. I've seen my business partner do huge, huge things with networking groups. And I'm kind of curious how you approach them and how you leverage that aspect of community in your day-to-day.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that one of the the pieces of networking that people don't understand when they first learn about it or go to a and i group, because that's the most famous around the United States, you know, pay $600 a year to have breakfast with a bunch of people that are going to give you <laughs> leads, right? Like, uh, I'm not a huge believer in B&I, but what a great concept, at least to get people's feet wet, right? And I was in two B&I groups, and they were very successful for me. But I think the problem is, is that people look at it as Oh, wait a second. So I'm going to go into this group and, and leads are going to be given to me. Awesome. Right. And they show up and they, they give their pitch every Monday morning for four weeks and nothing. You know, no one gives them anything because they're just focused on the wrong outcome. You know, when I first started in networking groups, the first meeting I ever had, I, I heard three people ahead of me talk and I wrote down, at least five referrals that I could give to those people. Now, not individually, but in total. And after the meeting, I remember walking up to them and saying, hey, I've got connections for you. And then the next gentleman, I got connections for you. And that became addicting for me. And 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 when you give to somebody like that, they are absolutely going to do their best to give back to you. And, and other people in the networking group see that, too. They, they say, I want to earn you know, part of this guy's network. He knows a lot of people. He's given out all these referrals. People are getting business from it. And, and so it comes back to you tenfold. I, I experienced it. So I know it to be true, where if you go in with the the mindset of giving, instead of just trying to take what you can get and moving on to the next one, that you will be super successful in a networking group. And and so, you know, you talked about common ground with people at networking groups. So there there is the after hours crowd, right? Or there's the the event for the local medical association or builders association, and you show up and you're the only sales guy in most cases. <laughs> you're <laughs> with a bunch of people that are business owners and they don't want to be pitched. And so it is tough because you're not going to get along with everybody. I mean, you're going to have guys talking about politics. You're going to be rolling your eyes, you know, without them seeing. I mean, it, it can get <laughs> frustrating. But if your heart is in it for the right reasons when you show up at those events and you're focused on trying to learn more about the people who have your ear, that you will be successful in that. Because people will eventually just say, they'll stop talking about the common ground and they'll just say, what do you do? (laughs) They'll just get interested in you because you're doing the complete opposite of what anybody else would with them. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times, like at a networking group, I won't walk up to someone and introduce myself and say, you know, what do you do for a living? I'll, I'll walk up to someone and be like, and just straight up say, "Like, so is this? Uh, I've never been here. Is this a good networking group? You, know, <laughs> you got, you got any uh, any dirt on this place that you want to share with me before I uh, <laughs> I show up again next week? You know, if, if you're, you know, it's the same concept of being a pattern interrupt inside of uh, just anything. Realistically, I mean, you can do it in your personal life too, and you'll find some success through that, right? But. It, Telling people that you're different, you you can do that all day, but if you walk it and talk it, you know, people notice. And, and that's a big piece of networking for me. But I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, I focused on two to three networking groups a week. Um, it was, the standard for me was definitely two, you know, no matter what, I had to go at least to, to two networking events a week, whether they were consistent ones or, you know, one offs that happened once a month or once a quarter. I I was always making sure I had two on my calendar and, and I would show up with no expectations. I would just go looking to meet new people, gain some ground if I could in a relationship and try to give some referrals out. That was all I was looking to do. And it, it became one of the most successful practices that I did inside of my
1: sales habits. Well, I mean, that servant leadership, that, that concept of servant leadership, I think it's getting more traction today. I mean, when I was talking to Scott Santucci, he kept talking about, he kept using the word authenticity, but I think it's that give to get mentality that if if people are authentic with it, because you've, I mean, I'm sure you've run into people that are, you can tell when they're giving in more of a a shmarmy is the only word I can think of, right? They're giving because they're waiting to get it rather than genuinely wanting to help someone. When when people can feel that, they can key off of that. And I think today, you know, people buy from people is an even more powerful statement than it was 10 years ago, especially with all of the tech. So to see that, to see that work and that authenticity, that's, that's amazing. So I got to have a cold call story. Give me a great cold call story that we haven't seen on LinkedIn yet.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I'm going to pull from a conversation I had today. And so first I want to, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Travis Schmidt. Um, One of the things that he talked about today with me at our lunch um, and he, he works for Brown and Brown insurance, you know, just a little plug for him, but he talked to me today about at lunch about what he's doing differently in order to, to get a a prospect to, to kind of turn their head. And, and I'm going to use an example he gave me today as, as kind of my, you know, my talking point. And actually, when I think of his conversation, the first story that comes to mind is when I went and I called on a gun manufacturer. I'd never called on a manufacturer at all at this point in my career. And to pick a gun manufacturer is probably not the <laughs> brightest idea, <laughs> <laughs> especially with my inconvenient, you know, non conventional ways uh, of doing cold calls. But what I did is I went out and i bought a little toy nerf gun okay and and then i bought like a case that i could put the gun in and and it it looked a little legit right the case did <laughs> this particular location for this gun manufacturer they actually they they took in weapons um that they would buy and and they because this particular owner of of this weapons manufacturer had a gun collection and i had kind of heard rumors about it so I walked in on a cold call and said, you know, I have a gun that I'd like uh, the owner to look at. Um, And and so it it was kind of it was almost embarrassing, to be honest with you, because I'd never done anything like this. And I was I was kind of freaked out. And and when the the individual did come out, he came out with one of his um, his right hand men, uh, who's actually become one of my best friends in in the world of business. And, and they walked out and I introduced myself and I said, OK, now I, I don't want y'all to freak out when you see this thing because it's pretty awesome. And I popped it open and and, and they just kind of looked at each other and looked at me like, what is this? And <laughs> I, I started to explain to them, though, what why I was here, like the real purpose, essentially, um, and why I wanted them to look at the gun. Because I, I said, listen, I not everybody can can carry a firearm in their office so that when the copier starts to act up you know they they can't just just dis, discharge that firearm in the office <laughs> but i'm thinking of developing you know a weapon like this one where when someone's frustrated at their copy machine they can pull it out and they can just kind of shoot a couple darts into it and get their frustrations out and go with, about their day and I, i'm telling you there was like a solid five seconds <laughs> you know that, it, of silence
1: And Uh, I just sat
0: there and stared at both of them. And, and one of them looked up at me and said, are you for real? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and from there, he, he, he put two and two together. Basically. I was like, so you're a copier salesman. And I said, and if this isn't the best cold call that you've ever gotten from a copier guy, then I'll quit my job tomorrow. (laughs) And they started busting out laughing and they gave me a tour of the facility. They became my customer about, I don't know, two or three weeks later. And in my industry, a turnaround on, on, on a deal is, is usually months, if not years. Um, you don't just walk in somewhere and and get a sale. But you know, when I, I found that when I would do things that were a little unconventional and and different, and that was, those those were my days back when I really didn't have access to the the kind of marketing that I do now. So that was just me going to the store and building this thing. Right. But (laughs) now I encourage everybody to do it though, because you know, the big thing that it does for you is it kind of breaks the ice for yourself. Like you, you think in your head, man, I got all these great ideas to, to make myself successful, but how many of us actually practice what we, what we think. Right. And so just taking that leap of faith for yourself and on yourself and believing that even if the particular person you meet that day, when you do something off the wall, doesn't like what you showed them that it, you know, it doesn't matter. Cause it's a learning piece, right? <laughs> you get to, you get to hear from the horse's mouth just what they didn't like about it or what they did. And, but you know, Chad, the thing is, is that 99% of the time people love it. And, and so why not? Why are we so scared to get outside of our comfort zone and do something different that, that turns heads? Yeah, I just can't understand it. So
1: <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that brings us to habits. So if we look at, if you look at the habits, like what three habits do you feel would make salespeople more effective if they would just embrace them. Sounds like one would be getting out of, out of your comfort zone.
0: It, for sure. I mean, I, I would say the first would definitely be to to just jump out of that little bubble that you've created for yourself and and try different things. It, whether it's on the phone, it's an in-person cold call, it's during a discovery session with a new client, it's it's during an upgrade with an account that you've had for 10 years, think of things that will help develop the relationship further make you stand out of the crowd because at all times someone else is out there doing what you're doing and most of the time in the same manner that you are and so it's a toss up between you and them it's it's literal luck in some cases you know maybe the front desk person just liked the way that gentleman or that lady looked compared to you. And so she's (laughs) letting them by. I mean, why are we letting that define who we are as salespeople? You know, let's get out there and be different and, and get outside of our bubble. I'd say the second would be would be time management, a big piece, I think, to sales habits for people are that a lot of salespeople just say, oh, I'm too busy. I'm so busy. Oh, I had a busy day. Oh, I didn't get time to do this or do that. You got you got to really just accept that time is always fleeting and that you're never going to have it. But to structure your day and to use a time management approach to everything you do, even if a wrench gets thrown in and you've got a fire to put out or, or a customer call or a prospect calls and says, hey, come sign me up you know, and and it's a hundred thousand dollar deal. Remember to keep in mind at all times that time management is so important during your day that as you get pattern interrupts inside of what's normal to you, you know, if you're managing your time correctly, it's no skin off your bones. Right. And so being focused on that is a big piece. Yeah. The third advice, I mean, a lot of people give pretty generic advice on, on sales culture and, 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 and sales habits, but I mean, I just like to think differently than other people, and so that time management. A lot of people talk about that, but just think of it differently, right? Think about your time management to be more than just how you are are stretching your your day, but how it serves the people that you're interacting with as well. You, you've got to take yourself out of the picture to a degree, right? You, you still need to be thinking about you and what's best for you, but you got to take yourself out. You got to put yourself in the customer shoes. You got to have the mindset of being an advisor and serving. So, you know, the third thing that I would say that that as a habit that that people need to start doing, salespeople need to start doing is they need to stop thinking of sales as a nine to five or an eight to five Monday through Friday. (laughs) You you are selling at all times when you're out on the golf course on Saturday with your buddies and, and the foursome in front of you is taking forever and you're sitting back complaining. Yeah. I challenge everybody listening to this to to ride up to those guys and they're probably going to be like, Oh God, you know what's happening, but <laughs> just introduce yourself. What's up guys. My name's Dale. I'm the copier warrior. Just saw that y'all were pretty close to us and wanted to say hello, you know, be, be who you want, you know, yourself to be as a salesperson from the success standpoint at all times During your personal life, right? You know, with your family, with your friends, with everybody. I I mean, I'm, I'm constantly selling. I go have lunch and meet a waiter and I, before I leave, that dude's adding me on LinkedIn. I guarantee you.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. So, last part of this would be, how do you stay motivated? Sales is, is the roller coaster. I've seen it chew up and spit out a lot of people. You're at, you know, high, high highs and really low lows. How do you stay motivated? How do you maintain that positive outlook?
0: Yeah, it, this one's not easy. And, and I don't think that my answer will, will help everyone. And, and I don't think anybody's answer will help everyone because we're, we all have our own unique situations. Okay. And, and, but I think one thing that we need to remember is that, Raw human emotion exists in all of us the same that when when you when you're at your lowest, it's not much different than the other guy's low. You know, it, it really isn't. So there's other people out there that are in your situation. And so having accountability is a big piece of how I keep myself on that just acceleration path at all times, even when I'm in, in the lowest point. But I'll tell you right now that the biggest piece for me that keeps me going is my legacy and my father. The the things that he accomplished and that he set forth for me to be able to come in and, and continue is so important to me. I, I mean, probably more important than most things in my life you know, from a perspective of family and and friendship and just a general culture of loving on those around me like what my dad did for me changed me to the point that i believe i owe him every second of my life to constantly be the best i possibly can be until the day
1: that i take my last breath wow that's that's a powerful that's power that's extremely powerful and, and, and extremely admirable quite frankly uh to hear that so Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. So at the end of every interview, we ask our guests one similar question. We call it our acceleration insight. And so there's been a lot of great um, perspectives and tips and tricks and hints throughout the conversation. But if there was one thing, just one piece of advice you could give to a sales professional tonight, and if they took it in and embraced it and started practicing it tomorrow, one piece of advice that you believe would make them better, what would it be and why?
0: I would tell every single person and I do tell every single person this that start practicing integrity. Don't don't just don't just have it in your rep- repertoire, right? Don't put it in your list of top 10 things that you are as a leader. Make it number 1. Make it the focal point of who you are on a daily basis. When you operate with integrity, everybody notices it from your customers to the people in your office that are on your team to to the guy that was across the way from you filling up his gas tank in the morning because your attitude will be that of you know a very bright and shining human being and and that will cause a rift in your life of success that you won't even know how to handle and 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 honestly integrity is not hard to have right And, and there there's a lot of people talk about integrity as you know being moral morally sound and principled right but the word i like inside of integrity is honor i think that that is a powerful word and that if if people looked at the word honor and the word virtue more seriously when they think of integrity, they, they would understand, I think, a little bit deeper what it is that they need to accomplish through integrity on a daily basis in their own personal life and habits and how it, it resounds out to the masses that they're going to be touching on a daily and a weekly and a monthly and a yearly and a, a, a decade basis. Um, it's something that if they change in their life tomorrow... And, and from writing a proposal to cold calling someone to having a conversation in the office, practice integrity, and you will be the most successful human being on the face of this earth. And there will be a lot of us if we all do it. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's start that club up now. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Perfect. Dale, thank you very much. Uh, if a, if a listener interested in talking more about the topics we touched on today, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so they can reach out to me on my website, copierwarrior.com. Um, I've got my cell phone, my, my personal email. Um, they can find me through Zeno Office Solutions in Orlando as well. Um, and definitely check out the company that I represent. Uh, we're one of the top copier dealerships in the state of Florida. Um, and, and if anybody is, is looking for help and advice outside of you know, just getting in touch with me that way, definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn as Dale Dupree, the copier warrior. And, and follow my content because I post every day. And, and, and I do not pre-script it. So it's in the moment, raw
1: motion. <laughs> <laughs> <Extremely laughs> so yeah,
0: right. So, exactly. So, so come in and, and have fun with us and, and get your learning on. It'll be uh, it'll be something that hopefully will be life changing for you. That's my goal.
1: Excellent. Well, Hey, again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. It's been great having you on the show.
0: Thanks, Chad. Appreciate the time.
1: All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. Shoot me an email. Let me know if there's a topic or a guest you'd like us to have on the show. We want to make sure this is continually valuable for you guys. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue
0: Executive Experience.